0: welcome to miami creators each week i bring you the inspiring stories behind miami's most influential businesses individuals entrepreneurs and more today in what is hands down one of the most raw and inspiring episodes to date we are joined by life coach nicole bloom Nicole specializes in coaching people through conflict and how to communicate honestly with themselves and others. Her genuine and unorthodox approach to coaching sets her apart from the field and helps her clients get the most out of their sessions. I am so thankful with Nicole for opening up about her rough upbringing, experiences with mental and physical abuse, bullying and more as well as what allowed her to turn all that darkness into the light she now uses to guide others towards their true purpose in life. I hope you all find this conversation and Nicole's life story as inspiring as I did, and that you too walk away from this episode with a renewed sense of purpose and determination to not let your past define your future. Enjoy. Nicole, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: I... Absolutely love all of the inspirational quotes that your Instagram always has. One of my favorite ones that you shared is one where you said, what you bury, you grow. Mm-hmm. Man, that's powerful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So I thrive off of metaphoric language. It's always made the most sense to me. I connect so well with metaphors. It's helped me to problem solve a lot of my life and I've been in positions in my past where I suppress or I hold things internally and I've come to realize in life that whatever you hold inside, whatever you bury, you try to hide, you're actually nurturing, you're actually building a home for it. So whatever we hold inside, that will become more in one way or the other, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. So I've learned that I should hold inside of me what's true to me. And if it's not true to me, I should express it or resolve it or do something with it so that it's not next to everything else I'm trying to grow.
0: So tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and how you help people watch what they bury inside and what they grow and everything. You're Absolutely. not a gardener, by the way. So <laughs> maybe a hobby, I'm but an emotional
1: gardener. <laughs> Thank you. I love the question. So what I do is I help you realize who you are and who you're trying to be. And I help you fill in that gap with answers that you already have. I just help you to unfold and uncover those answers that are hidden from us or don't seem so obvious to us anymore because of societal pressures or because uh, past experiences. Everything we do, we link to pain or to pleasure And we create beliefs off of interpretations. And so once we adopt an interpretation or an experience as a belief, we don't question it again. It becomes gospel. So I try and get us to question why we do what we do. What are we trying to do? And does that contradict yourself or your past in any way? So we just sometimes are are contradicting ourselves without realizing We're trying to protect ourselves, but we're trying to grow. We're trying to survive, but we're trying to thrive. So that can be hard to do on your own. So it can be very nonchalant. A lot of times it's on the phone. Sometimes it's jogging in the park. Sometimes it's at a coffee shop. It could be over dinner. I love that life coaching is very human to human. It's not a diagnosis. There's no right or wrong. I become your advocate. I support you. And we just bloom from there.
0: Do you have any specific Focus either types of people that you like to, to coach, whether it's young professionals or are there any specific areas of life um, that you find yourself dealing with the most? Is it relationships, career?
1: My niche, uh, my specialty, my passion, my purpose for life coaching, I would say is communication and more so that ends up dipping into conflict, self-conflict or conflict with others. Okay. When we don't find a way for words, when we don't know how to tell someone something or even tell ourselves something, I think there's language that we use in communication. That's body language, that's metaphoric language, that's language through action or through our environment that we're constantly receiving. So I try and help people communicate honestly with themselves, with the situation they're in, and how to set their language up for themselves that will give them more possibilities instead of give them more limits.
0: Can you give me an example of of how that doesn't have to be a specific Mm -hmm. example with somebody because I know that may be private, but something that helps exemplify what you're talking
1: about? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I've had a client in the past that was struggling with career transitioning. They had a lot of pressure that they weren't making more money, they weren't growing, and they wanted so much more in life and their family members wanted more for them. And I would question them. I would ask them a series of questions that got them to discover new answers. I would ask them questions they hadn't asked themselves yet because to get a new answer, you have to ask a new question. So it turned out that they were perfectly happy and they didn't want to move in the first place. And that's what was holding them back. But because they didn't see it, they weren't listening to their true self. They didn't know how to ask themselves what they really wanted. They were listening to the voices of others, to the words of others. They were comparing themselves to the expectations of others. And they never did this and thought they weren't capable, but really it was their willingness, not their capability.
0: Do you have any... Questions that you know typically help get people thinking of their situation in a different way or help them get to that breakthrough point?
1: Absolutely. So I would say questions or ask questions in the terms of, if there was only one voice in your life and it was yours, what would it tell you? What do you think would represent who you are? How... Are you reflecting yourself in your life, in your workplace, at home? What value do you see and feel around you? Or are you the value to others?
0: I mean, it is true. You, We all have so many voices around us. At times, literally telling us what they like, what they don't like about us. But a lot of times, it's not even spoken. It's just understood. It's It's there. Society mm-hmm. just has a way of trying to shape you.
1: And it's very different when you think something and when you say something. And I really admire the process of writing out what they want and why and what would happen if they got what they really wanted. Because when you put a thought on paper, you get to assess thought by thought. But When you're thinking, you're trying to chase the thoughts that you just thought three seconds ago because we think so quickly. So when you can spread them out, look at them individually, it's much easier than going over it just in your mind.
0: That reminds me, I once got a piece of advice from from a good friend of mine, and he told me, listen, right before you're going to have a a serious conversation with anyone, or if you feel like you need to get a lot of stuff off your chest with somebody, write a letter. You may actually send it, you may not, but the process of writing the letter... One, if you send it, it guarantees that you can say exactly what you want to say, how you want to say it without being interrupted. And we've all had those conversations, especially in conflict, right? Where absolutely it starts derailing and you're like, what are we arguing about? It, it, we started off here. How do we get here? And so the, just the process of writing out the letter or an email or anything forced me to organize my thoughts. And it helped me realize I just have this spaghetti ball of (laughs) thoughts and emotions and things that, well, and I'm upset because of the, well, why am I upset about that? And, oh, you haven't, I haven't shared with you that that day you upset me. So let me, now I need to go back and Mm -hmm. reorganize the conversation. It's just like this script for the conversation, but it was really a conversation that I was having with myself. Absolutely. What is the biggest value that you would say your clients tend to walk away with after either a session with you or after working with you for X amount of time?
1: I would say confidently that hundred percent of my clients walk away with clarity. It's hard to walk down a path if you don't know where you're going. If there's no visibility, if there's rocks and glass below your feet, you're scared to walk, you don't know where to walk. So I help them get clarity, help them to see where they're going and why. So once you know where you're going and you know why, then you start going so much faster. Or sometimes I even help them realize that they can walk a completely different path if that's what they want. So I think clarity is is key to change and to to feeling and being confident in our lives.
0: One might argue that, why do I need to hire a life coach? Why mm-hmm. can't I just have this conversation with my wife or with my best friend? Talk to me about how you see yourself bringing value or or perspective that people may not otherwise be able to find.
1: That is one of the most important questions that I go through um, with clients, in conversation. So a life coach, I feel is your advocate is unbiased and is knowledgeable, either through experience or through learning. A life coach is passionate about other people, about other people succeeding, other people being happy. There's something in a life coach that a life coach knows or feels that's too wonderful to keep to themselves. They're trying to get other people to feel greatness and to to grow in life the way that they have. And so for me, I have so much experience and I also have so much knowledge that hiring me gives you two steps ahead, maybe three steps ahead without having to maybe endure the pain just yet or helping you to open your eyes or open your perspective to something you might've never considered. So it's almost like instead of opening a book or taking a class, you're investing in your growth human to human. So that's what I think is important about it. Family will love you and want the best for you the way that they see what the best is for you. And friends might influence what they desire you to do. And so since a life coach has no emotional or personal attachment to you, they can give you more genuine advice or more unbiased advice, if you will.
0: So how does someone start working with you? What does that process look like? what does the actual coaching look like? You you touched on it a little bit in the beginning mm-hmm. in terms of maybe going for a jog or whatever.
1: Coaching usually starts as a conversation. I like for it to be very organic. I like to uh, get referrals or meet people in person or just get to know each other through social media, become acquaintances. I've had people reach out to me before whom I've never had a conversation with or met, but they've heard about me. So I like to give a 20-minute consultation where I explain to them why I do this, how I believe I can help them, what it is they need help with. I give them some strategic planning up front. And if they feel that they can connect with that, we move forward. And if not, I wish them well. And I will always encourage empowering conversations amongst one another if we meet or if, you know, through social media.
0: Got it. And so how does they, you touched a little bit, in the beginning, in terms of how you work with people, but can you give the listeners a little sneak peek into how working with you typically works?
1: Sure. So I like to plan sessions through emailing. I get to know their schedule. They get to know mine. I'm very flexible. And so they can text me, hey, I need a last minute session today. Do you have time? And we'll go for it. So I offer packages that might have Just two sessions, if they want to try it out, might have four, it might have up to 10. And it could be weekly, it could be bi-weekly, it could be daily. I like to offer different segments of time because I know that we're all so busy. So I offer 30 minutes, 45 or an hour. So when we do plan, I like to encourage over the phone. I encourage over the phone because it means that we can build a relationship and a dynamic in a way that will support both of us whenever, wherever we are. I like to encourage them to get into a place or a spot that they really love. Do you like to be in the nook of your house in your pajamas with a glass of wine? Let's coach like that. Do you like to coach in your car you never get to take out, that's sitting in the garage and just drive around with the windows down and talk about life? Let's do that. Do you want to get some exercise in? You want to grow your mind and your body at the same time? I will go jogging and try my best to keep up while we're talking about We're
0: driving the car next to you. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I've even had very few clients that don't necessarily have time to talk, but they like to squeeze 30 minutes worth of texting throughout the day. I can't keep up with the conversation, but I still want to talk about it. And I'll text you back when I can, but let me, I need to read some of what you have to tell me throughout the day to help me get by.
0: That's very interesting. Have you found a particular length of time for the sessions or different duration of working with somebody, whether it's a week, a month or something that you know tends to be that sweet spot you know that maybe that half hour tends to yield better results than a one hour for some odd reason or something like that
1: absolutely so my younger clients because i do coach children and teens
0: oh wow okay and
1: so they typically do better with 30 minutes okay because they have so much that they're already trying to absorb in their youth between school and academics and they are absorbing a lot more at a lot of a faster pace, I feel. So I can have their attention enough for them to understand concepts and grow in 30 minutes. With adults, I think an hour is good because I like to try and um, stretch out their thoughts and their emotions as much as possible and get the most out of one particular emotion or one particular struggle so that they have a lot of different avenues in which they can take it or go with it. I feel like two to three months bi-weekly tends to be um, the sweet spot with coaching because not too much happens in one week, but a lot can happen in two. So I don't want to coach just for the sake of, of coaching. I want there to be something we can coach about. And I like to help them manage and measure their progress. How many times did you feel this specific negative emotion? How many times did you feel a new emotion? What emotion was that? What triggered that emotion? And so if you go further than biweekly, you do once a month, so much can happen that it's hard to remember what those turning points were.
0: Is there a particular time where you feel like working with a new client, usually you know that the first session or the second or the third is when they tend to fully open up and mm-hmm. start trusting you. What is that like?
1: The first session after, really? yes, after the consultation, the very first session, they open up so much. You just dump and we, everything on you. <laughs> yes, and I love it. And I love it. It makes me so happy. I am very optimistic. I think that is my specialty in terms of my personality as a coach. And so when people see that I'm empathetic and they can say, everything and anything with me, they open up. I give them the space to be who they want to be. I don't limit them. And so that helps people to open up because they don't know what to expect. And so once we have that consultation and we talk the very first time, they're even excited for the second one and the third one. But so far I've had every client open up to me and tell me that they've never even opened up that way to a therapist or they've never even opened up to that way to their significant other.
0: What would you say is the difference between between what you do and what a therapist mm-hmm. does?
1: I feel that with a therapist, um, there's usually some type of diagnosis. There's usually some type of environment that is more uh, corporate or more commercial than personal. So it's almost like a person and a professional rather than a person and a person. And I think that that can influence the dynamic a little bit or the the vibe to it. With therapy, sometimes people may feel judged. And with me seeing that I'm a person that is more close to how they have been living life as well. I'm almost 30 and I don't have a PhD and neither do they. I don't have a million dollars and neither do they. I will text a person and make sure that their day went well. I'll send a person memes relating to their ideas and what they're working on, if I know it's going to jumpstart their day. like I, You're
0: definitely not going to get that from a therapist.
1: Yeah, I take it outside the session, you know? So I think that's what maybe they love.
0: How do you not let all of these things that are happening with your clients start affecting your life? And the reason I ask that is because every single time that I've met people who work helping others in some way, shape, or form or I'll give you uh, an even better example. My Mm -hmm. wife used to volunteer at this like children's hospital for like sick kids and everything. I find that it's difficult to leave that behind when you walk into the house. How do you manage that? How do you not let whatever problems your clients are dealing with Mm -hmm. not affect you?
1: It's a beautiful question, especially that I'm an empath. I feel very deeply I know that there are different levels of empathy. There's empathy where you can imagine what the person is saying, but not put yourself in their shoes. And there's empathy where I'm feeling what you're feeling just because you're feeling it right now. And and I'm allowing myself to feel it, to connect with you. And so I think that we're all built differently emotionally because I'm an empath. And it's funny that you mentioned that with sick kids because I did work for one year in Nicholas Children's Hospital.
0: That's where she was, yeah. And
1: I was the expressive art specialist. And I would take what the kids loved with chronic illnesses I couldn't leave their room, their bedside, I would try and take their passions into the room so that the days wouldn't be so long and things wouldn't be so the same. I would try to bring painting or music or dancing or whatever I could. And after a year, I had to leave that job because it was affecting me. But it's different when... It's a life or death situation. And I'm here trying to help you to stay alive. That is very heavy on me. And I left because I felt as though I was doing them an injustice by not being an expert. So I, I thought that perhaps somebody else who won't let this affect them and can be stronger for them will be there for them better. And I didn't want to rob them of that, no matter how much they paid me or what benefits I had. And so I went back into teaching teaching. But then I started doing life coaching when I did.
0: What kind of teaching did you
1: do? So I worked five years for students with disabilities. Then I went to the children's hospital. And then I went to elementary school for typical kids for two and a half years. And right when I transitioned into working for typical kids was when I started uh, diving into the idea of coaching and learning about it.
0: Is that like your deeper passion? Kids working with kids or
1: yes. I love the way that you just said that because you hit it on the nose. Kids are my passion and coaching is my purpose. I was toggling with those ideas, you know, throughout my life. I always knew I wanted to inspire kids and be there for kids. And when I started coaching, I realized that coaching was who I was, not just what I love to do, but it was who I was. And every time I would coach, I would feel that I live my purpose in life that day, not just made the best of the day that I was dealt. And so when I, going back, because I know I'm drifting you away quickly to how I block that, I turn that, anything that I may feel for them, that empathy, I try and leave it there. And I turn that into higher levels of positivity and higher levels of energy when I leave. I try and do something one for myself to reward myself for for being there for someone whether it's a cup of coffee or 30 minutes of my favorite movie i try and do something that automatically fills me back up and takes me back into my world and i just try and stay excited for them i don't try and take on the burden i try and turn that into excitement i try and change the language in my head that continues to support me as their coach
0: so let's talk a little bit about more of your personal side and who Nicole is. How did you, what's the road that led to perfect to today? <laughs> yeah.
1: We were transitioning beautifully, right? I grew up in Miami, born and raised. My family has a Cuban background. My parents were born here. I grew up playing sports. I grew up with three siblings, an older sister, younger sister, younger brother. I have to say that I kind of had a little bit of a rough upbringing My parents divorced when I was one, so I grew up with them already separate, so it wasn't new to me. I saw my dad perhaps every other weekend or whenever I could. I had a little bit of a rougher stepdad, I would say, than most. Um, He was very strict, very opinionated, uh, no room for mistakes, and so it would be very physically and emotionally demanding. There was no going out with friends. There was no dressing cute. I would go outside, trim the hedges, scrub the pool. Sometimes I would play and it was okay, but not too much because then I would be losing my purpose in life because I had so much pressure at home. And because I felt so insignificant at home, I didn't know how to act socially. I didn't know how to connect with others. So I would be bullied. I was bullied till probably sophomore year, I'd say, But more specifically, middle school. So I would go home and be fearful. And I would go to school and be fearful. Wow. I never had a break unless I was with my dad. And I have to say that that little light, that little moment or those weekends of light that I had with my dad, I didn't want to ruin them by him knowing what was going on on the other household. (sighs) Wow. I wanted to protect him and protect what we had. So he wouldn't know that the pressures I would go through and the challenges I would go through physically and emotionally in the other household. So I felt for so long, you know what was my escape? Movies. And when I hit middle school, writing in a journal. I realized there was just one day I just had so many emotions built up and I felt like life was meant for everybody else but me. I was just here to help everybody else get what they wanted. That's, that was my worldview for a very long time. And one day I just had so many built-up emotions that I grabbed a pen and paper in school when class was going on. I just started writing everything I felt and why. And I closed a notebook and that I have to say was the first empowering thing I had ever felt because the notebook listened and the notebook didn't judge me and the notebook had nothing back to say. And it was real because it was outside of my mind and my head for the first time. And so from that day on, I started journaling I started journaling every day, writing, making songs, writing stories of another life. And with time, I ended up getting into drama club because I my parents wanted me to be in, in an elective and try to, you know, expand my mind and I always played sports as well. I sorry, I know I'm like rambling here. No, it's okay. I always played sports as well, but because my stepfather wanted me to play sports. He wanted to have a champion in the house and he wanted to, to have somebody for him to enjoy his time with. Right. Even if I didn't want to play, I had to go outside and I had to learn and I had to play every single day after school. No matter how tired I was, no matter if I had to study a test, I had to learn to play and learn to figure it out and then go scrub the kitchen. So I learned to play almost every sport and, I have to say I play well because he drilled me. And so when I got the option to explore something else, I wanted to explore drama because I saw that in movies, people could be whoever they wanted. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to know what it felt like to be somebody else. Wow. And because I wanted to feel that so deeply, I then became really good at that too. I started competing. I started winning every one because I would put my heart and soul into it because I couldn't put my heart and soul into anything else.
0: Right, it just became this escape for you. Yeah. Wow.
1: So <laughs> when you, when
0: you talk about your your escape became movies and all of this, what were you turning to? What kind of movies mm-hmm. did you was there any particular type of movies that you gravitated towards?
1: So I never gravitated towards scary movies because I was already scared a lot of my life. And I didn't want to feel that any more than I had to. And to this day, scary movies make me uncomfortable or movies of aggression make me uncomfortable because I feel it again, you know? Um, So I gravitated toward romantic movies, movies of adventures, movies of, of conflict and problem solving. And I felt like these movies were teaching me things and teaching me ways to feel that I couldn't talk about with my parents. Especially, I have to say, favorites of all time, Jim Carrey for making me laugh and giving me positive energy, and Julia Roberts for setting standards for me. She just had such a presence on screen, the way that, and and an actor can act, but it takes a person to, to play a role, to make you feel like that person could actually be real and actually be out in the world. All of my personal traits are from Julia Roberts movies. My values are from Julia Roberts. Not so. What I've seen so for example to be honest in life and when you love someone you love them with all your heart if you have something to say you show up at their door, you know, I'm just a girl loving a boy, you know, anything like the way that she would write, the way that she would dress, the way that she would be with her friends, what she would allow and not allow. So through all her movies that connected with me the most because that's what I wanted it to be. And I wanted it to be real, whether I saw it in real life or not. Wow.
0: It's amazing the things that when you're growing up and going through, through these situations that you Things that you hold on to and those are your lifeline, right? Like yep, Julia Roberts and Jim Carrey. It's I true. actually once watched <laughs> an interview where he was talking about how difficult his childhood was. And it was I like a very interview. abusive. And right? he figured out, wait, if I'm funny, I can stop my parents fighting and arguing. And that just set him off on on this whole thing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's what we do with the pain. And I have to say that I led to life coaching because of all of my painful experiences. I've been through physical abuse. I've been through emotional abuse. When I was younger, if I didn't, if I wasn't up to par, I was never going to be anything in life and nobody would love me and no one would care about me and I would end up on the street with nobody. Those were things that I was told by my stepdad, you know, never my mother, sweetheart, my mother. So those years were very rough. And when I finally was in high school and nobody knew me there, I still got picked on a little bit because I didn't know how to dress. I didn't know how to really have a conversation with people. I would just be so excited when someone would give me attention that they'd be like, okay, weirdo. I just asked if the seat was taken. You know, like I was just so like excited to, to connect with people. And so I joined drama there and I became friends with the people in drama because they would most relate to me. So then when I moved in with my father, my stepdad didn't approve, but I told him, that day before I left the house, I said, look, thank you for everything you've done for me. Thank you for everything. I'm going to go move in with my dad tomorrow. I love him. I want him to be, to experience life with a child too. We, You know, we all live here. He lives with no one. I love him and I want to experience life with him for a while. I got called in every name in the book. I said that I was grounded for years. I would never go out again, this and that. And to this day, I look back and I said, wow, that moment I thought was my weakest was actually my strongest. Because Mm -hmm. I look back and I say, it still scares me, but it led to a different direction in my life and it gave me strength and and it let me learn something from it. And then going in, you know, after high school and finally having friends for the first time, I'm a late bloomer you know, I was late to what was socially accepted or not or what people meant when they were sarcastic or, you know, people saying, hey, hey, we're all going to Chili's. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Yeah, yeah, be our friend. And then I go on the weekend so excited to tell my dad I made friends and I go and nobody's there. And it was a joke. You know, and I wow. stayed and I ate by myself so my dad wouldn't be embarrassed for me. Wow. You know, so things like that. And I went into college, still hadn't truly had a romantic experience. And then I... You know, first time I ever say like on air or anything, I, then I experienced sexual abuse, you know, for the first time because I was put in a position that I thought was innocent and I thought was safe and it wasn't. I tell people all the different things I've been through before and they say, How are you so happy? How are you smiling right now and being so nice to everybody? I wanted to make sure that nobody's felt what I have felt before. I don't think anyone deserves that. And I would rather turn my pain into purpose than turn my pain into more pain. And on top of the abuses, I've also had three life scares. Three, I wouldn't say near death, where I was on the brink brink and I was so close to not breathing. Not necessarily that, but I've been in three situations that could have cost me my life. And so when you mix days where I'm not in pain and days where I'm not almost losing my life,
0: Everything else, um, I've won. Yeah. I've won. You've won. What do you think helped you take that pain and turn it into good, mm-hmm. as opposed to just completely destroying the rest of your life?
1: I never wanted to accept pain. I think a lot of us accept it, and once we accept it, we turn it into a belief. It would happen to me, but I never accepted it. I didn't want it to be something common for me. I didn't want it to be my destiny to be in pain. I had felt so much bad already that I wanted to know what it felt like to be good and I would fight for it. I fought for the good with my thoughts and with feeling silly by putting myself out there and feeling vulnerable and and being laughed at or maybe not gonna, but I knew that I had to try. I didn't want to give up trying to make something of myself or trying to feel good in life. And I think that's really what it was. I think it was the decision over and over not to allow pain to to run my life.
0: So let's go back to, to that notebook. By the way, yes. do you still have that notebook?
1: I have everything I've ever written. Wow. I actually went through it about uh, two that's years ago. That's what I was going to ask.
0: What, what is it like oh to? Oh my
1: gosh. Oh, I'm so excited about this. Okay, so actually it was three years ago when I moved into my house with my husband and I got my bins from my parents' house. For years, you know, you go collecting things and I've only ever kept all my trophies and awards and my papers. I've never kept, you know, clothes or little knickknacks, nothing like that. And I went through every single one. Even though I wrote, it was never the prettiest of things. I wrote very, very heavy things but I had to get them out of me. So they were no longer inside of me. But I also wrote things that I wished for myself and things that I wished for other people. And everything that I had ever written has come true and more. And that to me, I, that day that I put everything away, I wrote back my future again five years from now. And I wrote everything I wanted to have because I had written this 15 years ago. I would have never thought that I would stumble upon this later in life and for life to have been more than I wanted for myself. So that was very reassuring. It actually ended up turning into poetry and actually sell some poetry at West Elm and Dayland. And I've sold it in my life. And my account on social media before it was life coaching, it was poetry. Very vulnerable, very short and heartfelt poetry. Always positive, always positive. So
0: does anything come to mind? um, Do you have like a favorite?
1: (sighs) Let's see. I do. I do have a favorite. Do not mistake my brightness for lack of darkness. I too have seen the shadows. I just chose not to let them follow me. That is my all time favorite.
0: That is beautiful. Yeah.
1: And it was with truth and with, you know, I, I too know what it's like to be in your position, but I don't let it follow me. My story my stories are one of many. I'm not one story. I'm the collective. I'm what I do with my stories.
0: And if I can add to that, I think there's another element of the story you tell yourself, which is even more powerful. Yes. Because the most you, you important can take, one. Yeah, you can take all of these events and you can tell yourself. Two, com- two or three or four completely different stories. and Absolutely. But you decide which one is the one that you're going to tell yourself.
1: Yes, that's and, the most important one. Yeah. You hit it on the head. It's true.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So going back to that stage when, when you're pouring your heart out on, on the notebook, if you go back to that moment, how has your life turned out differently than you expected it to? Talk to me about where you thought you were going. Compare that with where you are today.
1: Absolutely. The, the transformation, right? I thought that I would struggle the rest of my life. I thought that I would count the hours and count the minutes until the next day. I thought that I'd never have enough money in my account. I thought that nobody would ever see me or appreciate me or love me. And I was really just going with it because I thought that's what I had to do. I thought I was just here to survive. And, you know, even in college, there was a point where, you know, my dad's a realtor and and real estate in 2008 went really bad. So on top of handling my emotions, I had to, for some time, become head of household. So I grinded in restaurants, working till six in the morning, 19 hour shifts for three years, trying to help us make the payments on the house and help us. There were days where I didn't even eat because of how tight we were, on top of the emotional aspects that I would try and to grow from. So I felt like life was just this really hard thing that you had to get through because you had no choice. Right. And so from then till now, as I started thinking differently, I started realizing that my life started changing as I started asking myself new questions. And when I first became aware of Tony Robbins in my adulthood, And he was telling me everything I had ever felt into perspective, the way that I was growing through things. Then I started growing through things 10 times faster. But I did realize, you know, at some point in my life toward the end of high school and maybe beginning college, what if I was good enough? When I was away from the toxic environment and I was away from the bullies and I was away, my voice would come to me and my soul would talk to me when my ego was at rest and it would say, But what if I am good enough? And then I look at my life today and I have enough to eat. I have enough to enjoy. I have the state of mind that life is for me and life is good and people around me do love me. So it's exact opposites of what I once felt that I would have never thought I was going to feel.
0: Nicole, the life coach from 10 years from now, comes back to today. What are you asking her? What is she saying? Mm -hmm. What's that conversation like?
1: Oh my gosh, this was the best question I've ever been asked, I think. It really excites me. Um, I would tell my past self, today's self, um, not to worry about growing, not to worry about having this opportunity taken away. It's scary because... You know, I have no certainty that I'm going to be able to pay the bills three months from now. I don't because clients come and go. But I see myself 10 years from now still coaching, maybe even having a talk show, being there for people, being genuine, helping the earth, helping animals, uh, helping other people. And I feel like myself 10 years from now would tell myself today to keep going with all my heart and soul to to show up to dress up and to to keep talking no matter how uncomfortable it is or no matter who's listening that my voice does matter
0: is there anything in particular that you would want to ask your future self
1: that uh, you how did you do it <laughs> 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 tell me the two most biggest steps that you took and i'll follow <laughs> right do i post more on social media do i show up in different cities right. what do i do how right, do i get right, there right. I'm, I'm always paving my path as well. I'm certain on how to grow and I'm certain on how to, f- how to understand our emotions and make the most of them. But I don't have the answer of the future because the future can always change. So I don't like to, to pretend that I know what the future holds. I hope for the future and I, I strive for what I know today. But I know that it can change and I'm okay with it changing.
0: Flip side of that. Your 17 year old Nicole walks in the door, she's a new client. What are you telling that girl?
1: Oh my goodness. I would tell her that she has the right to how she feels. What she feels isn't wrong. She's not crazy. I would tell her that the only reason she doesn't feel like a flower is because she hasn't been planted in the garden yet. She's trying to grow on on the sides of streets. And even though she's alone in her growing, she's still growing. And I would tell her that she's gonna get more than she could have ever imagined. And that she doesn't have to I would tell her that she doesn't have to hide and to cry to get there.
0: If you couldn't do life coaching,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what do you think you would do?
1: If I are cou- there
0: any other passions, any other There
1: are, there are. On the flip side, if I could not do coaching. I would pursue photography and videography because that I feel captures the best of people. I just love to capture real and raw moments when you're looking outside the window with a look on your face, like you don't know how the day is going to go or when you're making a cup of coffee and that's your favorite part of the day, like little things, moments that tell a story that we don't capture and we only remember it if we capture it.
0: Are there any quotes that you think of often or that you try to live by?
1: I have. I mean, to your say... entire
0: Instagram is filled <laughs> with amazing quotes that I'm sure you try to live by, but it's the yes. one that it's, it's just always on the top of your head.
1: I would say the one that resonates the most with myself, because at the top of my head, I can't think of someone else's. Oh, no, it came to me. Okay. Favorite writer of all time, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I resonate incredibly with him. I feel like when I read him, he's speaking from inside of me. It's weird. So I have to say, I don't know the entire quote, but there's one of his that ends along the lines of, and I hope that if you're not living the life you love, you have the courage to change it and start all over again. And so that was so powerful to me. And I think about that. I, ho- I hope I have the courage to keep changing and to keep going after what I want because I've seen the power of change. And I know that I really am capable of creating what I want. Maybe not how I want or when I want, but I can. And so, F. F. Scott Fitzgerald does uh, motivate me and keep me going when I lose my words in myself.
0: You've mentioned Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned him. Any other books, authors that you know are are staples of things that you often reference or you often recommend?
1: Absolutely. Tony Robbins, I absolutely look up to and recommend. And he's part, Tony Robbins is part of my daily life and Gary Vee is part of my daily life, Gary Vaynerchuk. Tony Robbins helped me realize how I feel and why. And Gary V has helped push me with what to do about it. So Gary V helps me take action and Tony Robbins helps me to understand. And I look up to both of them and I hope to be my own version of, it's Gerald, Robbins, and Gary Vee one day. But they definitely help put my everyday into perspective. I highly recommend listening to their podcasts or reading their books or having a little bit of them in their lives if they can.
0: All right. So switching into Miami rapid fire, what are some of your favorite food spots and Ooh. dishes in
1: Miami? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I went vegan three years ago. So... I would say Planta in South Beach. I really love. I really love Malanga in Pinecrest, a Cuban restaurant. Very cozy and, and warm and delicious food. Another place that I really love is actually in Fort Lauderdale. It's called Sublime. And it's also a vegan restaurant, but like that restaurant feel. And I have to say above all else, the restaurant's I do like to try new places here and there. I have my favorites, Earl's Kitchen and Bar and Dayland. I love the windows and the architecture. I love to eat in places where I feel, where I have a connection to it. But my favorite cooking above all, and she's going to love me for this, is my best friend, Alexa, who's vegan. And she cooks better than any restaurant I've ever eaten at. And I am blessed that she lives three blocks away from me. (laughs) <laughs> so, but she she, I would have to say, is definitely the adventurer in the restaurants she's always recommending and stuff. Another place you'll always find me at is Brewing Buddha Art House and Cafe in Pinecrest. They have comfort foods and coffees and wines, but the coffees that you wouldn't imagine s'mores coffees, um, lavender coconut coffees, dulce leche. Sweet plantain, coffee, really, really interesting things and sandwiches and waffles. And so I love places to me that feel like a nook. I love small hole in the walls walls, that are intimate. I love that.
0: What's your favorite way to spend a Miami weekend?
1: Ooh, okay. Favorite way to spend a Miami weekend is to go bike riding, preferably to a market. I love Pinecrest Farmers Market. I love to go plant shopping. I love to go find different plants and put them in my house. I have about 60 plants inside my house. It's a little jungle in there and I love it. I love to play with my cats and I love to have friends over and open a bottle of wine and play games and talk about life. That is my, my favorite weekend.
0: When you're driving in your car, what are you listening to?
1: Driving in my car, I am listening either to Odessa. I'm listening to classical jazz or like upbeat jazz music, or I'm listening to Gary Vee or to Tony Robbins. Okay. So I try and begin my day in the car with learning, with absorbing. And then I try and play the music at the end as like a reward. Okay, got it.
0: Any other Miami businesses or people that you would like to show a little bit of love to?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Tax House Gables and Tax House Miami. That is my husband's company for taxes. And it's not like it's a sales point at this moment, although it seems so. It's a group, my husband included, is a group of three brothers that are a few years apart. Grew up in Miami. Dad you know, started the hustle from young from a convenience store in little Haiti. And they started their journey in taxes because their dad saw the struggle of being here and keeping up with a family, paying for a family, having to pay your taxes and make your dues. And he realized when he started doing his own tax, trying to figure out what's a way that I can survive a little better. What's a way that I can understand this so that I don't feel helpless. So he started learning, you know, What helps your taxes? What doesn't help your taxes? Uh, What are the right ways to go about your year that set you up for a stress-free tax season? We all stress it, you know? Um, So he started the business. He taught them from 14, 15 years old. They've been doing it since. They're in their 30s. They bring so much peace to such a stressful situation every year. They're not professionals. They're like family. Like they are professional, but also... They put their heart and soul into it. So they're knowledgeable. They stay up day and night. They go past the tax season in helping people. Like, I've never seen people work and love like this or love what they do like this. Uh, Another place I would say um, everybody should know about or company, Shop Alexis. The brand Alexis, a clothing brand. Now, she's very expensive. She's very high end. I don't believe in setting myself up to be the type that cares about high-end clothing, if I'm not coaching or I'm not going to something I'm excited about, I'm in sweats and I'm in Air Maxes and my hair is messy. I don't think I have to look good all the time to feel good. But I know the owner of Alexis personally and you know I met her through her, her wonderful daughters when I was a teacher, that's how I met her. What a giving soul. Her clothing line is not just about what you look like, it's what you feel. And it's about honoring who you are inside. And I could tell because of the way that she treats other people and the way that she treats her daughters and the way that she treats the world and always very giving, always trying to help out wherever she can. She listens, she talks to you. She's no better than anybody else in her mind. She is like a little star walking on earth. She is amazing. So I think supporting um, someone like that, that does something not to make money, but to make a difference through fashion. That's what she does. So she's amazing also.
0: Love it. And and obviously we'll link to all of these things uh, on the show notes. Nicole, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to kind of spend a little bit of time on?
1: I would like to mention how we have to live life vulnerably and we never know what's going to happen. I just think that we fear so much the unknown that we get comfortable in the known and we settle for the pain that we already know than to risk experiencing new pain. And I think everybody is worthy of of life and living a life they love and discovering love and I want people to know that they are multidimensional. You don't have to be just one thing. You don't have to be just one person. We all have worlds inside of us, hundreds, maybe even thousands of directions and avenues and decisions that we can make. But I hope everybody knows that they're worthy and they're loved and that I'm sorry for their pain, but their pain doesn't have to be who they are and that they're just, they're not in this alone. And I hope that every day they face the day with courage and excitement because We were, like Gary Vee says, we won the lotto the day we were born. We're here to experience, not to prove, not to fight, not to. We're here to to be.
0: Beautiful way to end (laughs) it. Nicole, how can people connect with you? Where can they find out about all the stuff that you're doing?
1: Thank you. So I did actually just launch a virtual coaching course. I have one for free to test it out on how to love life and i just released a couple of days ago ego versus soul because we do have two voices in our head and that confuses us a lot so i like the idea of virtual coaching and i started creating it it's uh, the link is letsbloom.teachable.com and i like the idea of virtual coaching because i kept seeing a certain pattern in a you know certain times of the year where people are just too busy they don't have time to, to set a schedule and commit to it and things come up and that's life. But on virtual courses, you go at your own pace. You could do 30 minutes today, 20 minutes on Saturday, five minutes the next week. They And they can have everything saved on that platform for them and they can go over it as many times as they like. So I have virtual coaching. My Instagram handle is Nicole Life Coach. I have a Facebook, Life Coach Nicole Bloom. Because of course you can't get every same name on every <laughs> on every platform. I have a Twitter, Nicole Life Co, C O. And I have an email, which is bloomlifecoach at Outlook.com. I encourage everybody to say hi to me, introduce yourself. You don't have to coach to have a creative conversation with me. I love empowering people wherever, however I can. I'm very happy that I was here today. I really love that you're doing this. I love that I feel seen by you and I feel understood by you. And really, you made me feel my purpose today. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Nicole, for coming. Hey, guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at MiamiCreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.